Welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm fueled by the Tobo Chico. It's good stuff. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings! Joining us all the way from Marcus, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I feel like we get the high-pitched greetings from Jed a few shows in a row. We don't actually know if Jed's here, if it's a recording of Jed. Yeah, it could be anything. Maybe everything you've heard on this show is a recording of Jed. Maybe Jed is a figment of our collective imagination. A lot of Jeds wow. floating around. That's almost certainly going on. We have a great show for you. Exactly once. what recording Jed would say. Yep. <laughs> it's it's the it's the well known JI. It's an it's the AJ, the artificial Jed that we brought to the show here. We are have we have do have a great show lineup for you, but first. We have a super fan emergency. Whoa! Wow. This I wanted to bring between the collective wisdom as we record. Is, is it that we have too many super fans? Because that could be a possibility. Certainly. Sure. <laughs> we're gonna do like that thing where they just you know they de- debut some. We're gonna do the Popeyes thing where they de- debut some product. And we're like too many people want it. We're shutting it down. <laughs> Try to get some internet buzz going. On. Too many, we can't even distribute the shows. Was, yeah. You know. That chicken sandwich is for real though, dude. Yeah, Jed got in on the ground floor of the <laughs> yeah. Popeye spicy chicken sandwich before it became a uh, a phenomenon and a uh, point of violence in Glenn's beloved hometown That's of Houston, correct. Texas. Where they, they were pretty serious about there it. There was a chicken sandwich caper. Yeah. It was their opening day, y'all. It was amazing. Yeah, I thought of it because you, you, you put that on Facebook for reasons that could be known only to you. It's my food journal. Braggery. But... Uh, or maybe confessional would be a better term. But eh, a little bit both. <laughs> yep. I started thinking afterwards... Bless me, Father, for I have snacked. How yep. do you actually... You know, it's like you've got to be on a mailing list of some kind. How do I know these things? Yeah. Or I got contacts. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So. Aren't you like... I'm, I'm, And I mean this with all respect. Like, at most uh, fast food new product reveals... Yeah, yeah, no, that's... I'm at any that I can get to. Like, one of the, the points of grief in my life has been KFC right now has a chicken sandwich where they use donuts for the bread. Wow. Uh, but it's it's not in Chicago. I think the closest is Pittsburgh. And it's been a dark night of the soul. It a really has. food so horrifying that Chicago <laughs> said pass. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, it's A it's town rough. that said, what if pizza... Was six pizzas stacked on top of each other? <laughs> looked at KFC's donut chicken sandwich and said, "In the interest of public health, yeah, we can't let that happen." No, no. Look, I know that we've derailed a, a very good and important emergency That's... with all this food nonsense, but I will say because you mentioned Taco Bell, if you're wondering, the toasted cheddar chalupa is delicious. It okay. is fantastic. I will not take your word for that. <laughs> you're... So you're going to try it yourself? Is that what you're Wait, No, here's what I'm saying. I'm bringing this back around because you people are talking a lot of nonsense. Doesn't sound like us. But but the, when when we're, we're talking about food, we're talking about super fans. Right. We have the best fans in the whole universe. Science fact. Reach. And uh, they love us so much they send us meats. Yes. Now, let me just when say. When you put it like that, it sounds odd. Here's what it, you know. Uh, here, but here's my, I have a little mini side beef 
Okay. Because you have a side of beef. No, that I, sounds just, delicious. Just, just beef that's <laughs> off to the side. Oh, that's that's oh. less delicious. Now, here's what I'm talking about. People send us meats all over from all over the world. Okay, Norway, New Zealand, all points in between. Sure. Here's my question: What about the vegetarians? Whoa! Wow. Right? No, yeah. None of us are vegetarians. Like we have on our staff an actual vegetarian. Yes, we do. I, think that's I don't how think that's true. Nope. <laughs> think that's a breed of hound. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, she she makes all of them amazing foods, like amazing. That's for real. And uh, we all enjoy it. Yeah, I, I would eat a vegetable. Sure. Like they have all kind of vegetables totally. that we have never even eaten. Yes. From all over the world. Yes. Like they have, what do they call it? Dragon fruit? They do have dragon fruit. I think that's like, it's in the shape of a dragon. That's right. Well, send it. <laughs> we'll eat it. Yes. Like, what? where are the vegetarians at? Do you have no love for the podcast? Well, I think there's a way to make this easy for our vegan and vegetarian super fans, which is the meats that we are sent are typically in stick form. Right. They're, they're meat sticks. Yeah. You could send us a fruit stick. Yeah. I'll we would eat, be happy to receive fruit a fruit snack in stick form. Yeah. If it was a let's dragon see. fruit snack stick, that would be amazing. Yes. Let's also say this. Uh, if you're a vegetarian, you still uh, enjoy pastries. We'll take right. a pastry. I'll take it. I'll eat a pastry right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you thinking about eating know. a pastry right now. I have so, a feeling this isn't going to go over well, but I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> they sell dragon fruit here. They do? You can just, yeah. Do. You can just go buy dragon fruit. Okay. Are you sure about that? You can go to the Whole Foods and get a dragon fruit. I mean, it's got to be in season. Is it in the shape of a dragon? If you have some time on your hands and a Whitland stick. <laughs> yeah, no. We got to get like the exotic. You know what I mean? Like it's a fruit that you've never even seen before. Yeah. Uh, that's what we'll eat a fruit sure. like that. Let's say that podcast. We'll eat fruit. <laughs> <laughs> If we've never heard of it before, not these domestic boring fruits. Well, I'm, I will attempt to bring this back around because Glenn said, I'm right. going to bring this back around and then did the opposite of that. Right. That's Do right. it. So we, again, we have some lovely, uh, Jed goes to the insane food things and that is bored. It's own social media thing. We're now occasionally when some podcast super fans just see a horrifying fast food thing. They just tag Jed. Yep. Right. I think you know who'd like to know about this, Jed. Yeah. And they're correct. <laughs> yeah. I said I have contacts. I'm not joking. Right. People people tell me things. Right. So we have some wonderful social media interactions with the, the super fans and our friends in the podcast world there. And we had one recently where uh, our friend, uh, Miss Jenny Catherine from Georgia. And we don't hold that against her, though it is football season yeah. and we would like to. Um, <laughs> she was visiting for, I believe, a conference or work thing. It was in Chicago. Uh, couldn't come to the bridge because it was just a weekend, but mentioned, ta- uh, tweeted at Glenn, mentioned I'm in Chicago and I saw a cool, it was a really cool thing with like prisoners and they were getting to like wear plain clothes and visit their kids, which was super, super cool. And she thought we'd want to know about, which again, correct. Uh, we actually didn't know about that because it's not exactly the, the people we work with, but it's, it's a very, very cool thing. Um, it is a nice Twitter interaction. And at the, at the end, she mentioned, she tags all of us in it. They usually, I really enjoy the podcast and I haven't listened in a while. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get caught up and I'm, I'm she, I tried to, I believe, a, a has-been super fan. We might mm. put her, and one can lapse from a religion. Maybe, maybe we have out there some lapsed super fans whoa, people who were on the super fan thing. And yeah. as as you know, I, I I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's some that I, I love dearly, but you know, it's just one of those things you just get out of, out of the rotation. You let if maybe you got a, a long drive coming up, you let a few stack up, yeah. something like that. 
Save them up. Absolutely. But as the, the super fan board here, what, what, what do we have for these people? What, 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 what needs to happen to regain one superfan status? You know, in like the medieval times when someone would This do, is already going well. Would do something like really horrible. Yeah. They had to like, uh, <laughs> like climb a mountain on their knees and stuff. Like ah, that. yes. Oh, like something like point. that. Okay. Okay. You know, like uh, some kind of a torture. Walk to Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those kind of, you know, got a... You know, walk on your lips for a mile or something. Sure, you know, sure. Some broken glass or something. You know. I thought you were going to go with the stocks in the center of town. Well, you know, that's just that's just mean, Jed. Mm. This is like a self-inflicted. Mm. That's a Ren Fair, Jed. You're thinking of the Ren Fair. That was referring to the actual medieval period. <laughs> you know that uh, something. You know, because it's like a penance. Ah, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Right, right. So I, I think that'd be. Good, because it would really kind of focus your mind on let's stay let's stay on top of this podcast. Sure, sure. You know, we want that. Let me tell you, I'm gonna bring this whole thing actually back around, Matt. If somebody has elapsed, say that podcast super fan, it's been a while since you've been on the show. You want to prove your devotion and whatnot, so on and so forth. All it's gonna take is donuts or muffins. Or cake yes. or something like that. Yes, it's baked not, goods. We're not complex people. Right. The way to our heart is undoubtedly through some alchemical uh, mixture of flour, sugar, and, and butter, and fat placed into an oven and then mailed to us, respectively. Yeah. This is what I'm saying like, right now. Wherever you live, right. the one thing that finds us all together is Come a, on. is a human species. Preach. You've got cookies. Yes, you do. Wherever you're at. You might call them biscuits because sure. you're some kind of weirdo. Sure. We don't judge that. No, not much. <laughs> Sounds kind of judgy. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, yeah, you can you can get that together, put it in the old parcel post. Yeah. Put a stamp on there. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. See what I'm saying? We will recertify your superfan status. That I mean, quickly. like, immediately. Yeah. yeah. I'll do that right now. I'll do that deal now. Yeah. So what we pitched is you can either do some form of penance. Yep. Or you can send baked goods, which I think yep. would, and this is going to work on a couple levels here, so prepare yourself, would act as indulgences. Yes! Oh, uh, yeah. it is. So I think we can all look forward to, uh, take your bets now on who's going to be the Martin Luther of this podcast. <laughs> who, when we get just a little too too far down that road, goes ahead and nails their 95 episodes to the door and right. protests the whole thing. I think we. I think there's exciting things coming. I'm excited. See, I this is my perspective, is you might think you're a lapsed super fan, mm. but you're not. Oh, because what happens is, this podcast gets in your brain, man. Mm. You might run, you might try and hide from it, but it's coming back for you. Okay. It's in your brain. <laughs> you know, the look you know that you're giving me as you say that is great. <laughs> you know, the, the idea that I love off of this is that somebody hasn't listened to the podcast for three or four months, but like... You know, they're walking by and they see an advertisement for some god awful fast food thing, and they just think, "Ah, oh, Jed," <laughs> you know, right. or they, or they just, you know, they're they're uh, they, somebody says something kind of judgy or something like that, and they're like, "Ah, oh, legalistic Jed," 
Yeah. You know, it's just all the different versions of Jed are just kind of haunting. They're living. <laughs> That's right. They're, you know, they're, they're just their waking experience. That's right. You can't hide from it. You try to say, you know, I'm, I'm through with that. I've matured. Yes. I've, I've moved on. I've I don't need those guys. I don't need, I can listen to a classy Christian podcast. That's right. That's what you think. <laughs> but you're going to keep crawling back to us. Okay, this got dark you and Meyer standards. But, uh, gonna be honest, when I pitched that as an emergency segment, I thought it'd go and I, I kind of thought it would land on like, ha 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 ha, cookies. Aren't we? Aren't we a couple of scamps? But uh, we got to. You'll never be rid of us. So yeah, gonna go ahead and declare emergency off where this keeps happening. And as ever, I should have seen this one coming. Yep. Yeah. So that's. Really, my fault. Really We're kind moving of on. on you, Matt. Yeah, that's kind of your fault, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Uh, we're going to move on to the Bridgebox plug section. And we want to be clear Bridgebox is not some, some indulgence, some ill gotten spiritual workaround to get your, your super fan status back. We, Bridgebox is a thing of joy, mm. a thing of, of positivity. We want you to. We want you to sign up for Bridgebox because you want some some cool stuff in your inbox every month. Maybe sermons from Glenn and myself, maybe songs from Jed, Lee, and a bunch of our very talented friends, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff there, all based around a topic. We're moving into the month of October here, where our topic is all about how to be a good encourager. We're actually going to look at that here in a minute, but you'll get, again, sermons from Glenn and myself on that, all sorts of songs and Bible studies and lots, lots of good stuff about how to encourage people well missionusa.com slash bridgebox only eight dollars a month to sign up please go do so all right we're gonna move on to our questions here if you have a question for us hey all the way to the end i get some ways to get in touch with this or you can scroll down into your episode description wherever you're listening to this and find those addresses our first question is our bridgebox topic for the month of october as ever uh glenn and i preached on this our bridge service so we kind of expanded the topic out a little bit to make it a bridge question. And this is how that question read. The Bible says we should encourage people, but when I see other people try to encourage me, they end up just preaching to me or puffing themselves up to say I should be like them. So what's the right way to encourage somebody? And Glenn, where do we kick this off? Well, I think the right way to encourage someone, the right way to minister to someone in any way is to start with the idea of being slow to speak, quick to listen. Mm. That's in the Bible, and it's in the Bible for a reason, because I, I think we have a, a sense that ministry is happening when I'm talking. That's the good <laughs> stuff. No ministry is happening while I'm just sitting and listening to this person rattle on about their problems. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, you know, if if you've ever been ministered to, you know that the listening part was critical to that. You know, someone actually paying attention to what your struggle is and and uh, gaining some understanding about that. Uh, so, if you want to encourage somebody, uh, it's kind of hard to do that without listening to them because you you have to have a sense of what's really going on. A lot of encouragement doesn't stick unless it sort of answers to what's going on in the larger situation. If you have someone who's saying, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm running track in these track meets and I'm coming in second place for like three races in a row and I'm starting to feel kind of discouraged about that, 
Well, you you can put that in context of well, obviously you're in you know the elite of your 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 peers and so forth. Um, so you know, let's let's at least start by focusing on the fact that you're in these races, that you're you're obviously in contention, that there has to be a small adjustment to get to that next level. So um, you know, I by by listening to that detail, I can put it in context what my encouragement is. But if I say, "Oh, you're you just hang in there," it's like, "What did you even hear? What I just said? Is this you know? It's not specific <laughs> to my situation." If you dig what I'm saying, um, the Bible says that we not many of us should presume to be teachers because we will be judged more harshly, and. Uh, that warning has concerned almost no Christians ever. <laughs> Let me just teach you how to handle your situation. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's look at presuming to be a teacher on one hand and being an encourager on the other. Because there's a lot less uh, uh, risk of harsh judgment coming down on you on the encouraging part. You can just encourage all day long Without worrying about, maybe I'm getting this wrong somehow or whatever. Uh, The more that we encourage, uh, the more people are going to be willing to listen to us. And that's that's where the ministry will happen down the line. Uh, But I think uh, being a skillful encourager is a huge, huge, huge thing that Christians need to learn and develop. I'm going to give you my top tip on how to do that, and I'm going to send it around to these other fellows. Being a good encourager means start with the things that don't need work. Because when when someone is discouraged, they feel like this whole situation they're describing to you is broke down. Right. You know, there's nothing's going right. I don't there's stuff that's going wrong here, and I don't know whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you can start with complimenting and pointing out here is what you're doing right this is what here is what's good about the situation yes. i'm not trying to paint a smiley face on it I'm but just you're saying, affirming what's there i'm affirming That's what's right. there and i'm saying this part why is that important because it helps people relax on an element of this. Mm. And that's really super important where you say, well, look, I know it's not a problem of X. You know, you, you, you have this area you're definitely doing well in. So we don't need to worry about that. We don't need to focus on that. We can relax and we can relent on that. So now we can put our focus on maybe one or two smaller areas that need that focus. So now I, instead of having a general dismay about everything, now I'm taking all of that emotional energy and I'm focusing it down on one or two smaller issues. That's awesome. That's giving me a whole lot more power and 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 change agent happening on this uh, these small areas. I'm going to have a lot more change going on. So uh, it, it's really rare that someone will come up to you and say, "I know you're having a problem with this, and I know you're having a problem with this," but just so you know. This part is really great, and and this element of it is really fantastic. So you know there is something to build on here. If if you encourage in that way, I think you're going to have a really big impact. Amen. 
It's a fantastic place to start. And Leah, I love you to pick us up there. Uh, yeah. Glenn's giving out some top tips. Love you joining on that. What, what's the encouragement one-on-one? What's the basic of the basics here? Yeah, the encouragement one-on-one is letting somebody know that uh, you care about them. Um, I, I love how Glenn um, you know, emphasized the listening piece. And the thing that I would say to kind of underline that or highlight it is, and it's something that Christians are not great at. We think it is exactly as Glenn said. We think that ministry is talking. We think that saying the, you know, providing the golden nugget, um, I'm going to solve this for you. I'm going to tell you the thing. It's going to unlock the whole deal or whatever, whatever, whatever. But really, um, when you think about, for me, when I think about times when I've had really, really difficult situations, the people that helped me the most were people who started out by saying things like, Dude, that sucks. I am so sorry that you're going through that. Or somebody that said, man, I can't even imagine what you must be feeling right now. A real quick story. Um, I've got a really good circle of friends and um, just some guys who kind of have walked through a lot of life together. And one of the guys uh, in this group... um, he decided, well, he decided he wanted to let everybody know something really, really big and deep and something he was embarrassed about in his life. He wanted to kind of tell all the guys about. And he, he did. And when he was, and he kind of did that on an individual basis. When he came to me about it, he said, man, I want to brag on, I want to brag on one of these, these guys. And this was a guy that, that I had like, you know, just a, a guy that I had discipled when he was kind of in high school and college and stuff like that. He said, I want to brag on one of your guys. I told them what was going on with me, and and he said, and and the particular struggle that I have, uh, Christians tend to be in in or people tend to be in two different camps. This camp over here, they are like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make sure that you don't sin? How are you going to make sure that da 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 da? And they want to make sure that I've got everything figured out right now for the rest of my life. And then he's like, and then I got these other people on the other the opposite extreme, and they're just as extreme, but in a totally different way. He said, the way that I felt was, I would tell people about this thing in my life, and everybody was up on the 50th floor of a building, expecting me to go from street level all the way up to the 50th floor right now, to have everything figured out, everything solved. He said, I told your buddy about it, and he said he was the only person I told who came down onto street level and said... I want to stand down here on the street with you. I just want to say, I'm sorry that you're having a hard time. I can't imagine what you're going through. Why don't you tell me about it? And he said, that ministered to me more than anything else anybody said, because he made me feel like the way that I felt was important. Dude, the encouragement one-on-one begins with this, helping people realize you are trying to understand what they're feeling. That is such a key element of listening and ministering to someone is helping somebody to understand, I may not know exactly what you're feeling, but tell me about it. I want to to understand you. I want to stand alongside you. I don't want to be up on the top of the 50th floor of the building barking down at you. I want to come down to street level and stand here beside you and walk through this with you. It's a huge part of listening. It's a huge part of ministry. Um, It's a huge part of what Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 2 says that Jesus had to become like his brothers in every single way so that he could become a merciful high priest. What that means is he wanted to be able to understand what is it like to be you? 
What is it like to live through the thing that you're living through? I want to understand where you are. It's the number one way that we can minister to people in listening to them, in waiting alongside them, to, to demonstrate to them, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not giving you the golden nugget. I'm not solving this problem for you. I want to stand beside you and help you understand that I want to know what it feels like to be you. I understand what you're feeling. It makes sense. And I'm going to stand here with you in it. That's all really, really good stuff. I love that analogy. I think that's a great way to go. And Jed, um, to go to or a question asker here says, you know, I, when people try to encourage me, they end up doing something different. I think both Lee and Glenn have given us a really good picture of what encouragement is. Sure. Um, how do we, is there kind of an, maybe like an AB test we can give of whether that's something someone's saying to us or something we're saying to someone of, is this encouragement or is this something else? Sure. Sure. I think there is. So, Roughly speaking, kind of when you look at the Bible verses that, that talk about encouraging one another, here's essentially what they say is, there's a life that God is calling this other person to live, and there is a person that God is calling them to grow into being. There is a work that he is calling them to do. There is, there's a goal. There's a destination. So the question really becomes, are the encounter they're having with you, is that making it easier or harder? for them to take the next step on that journey. The time, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, three hours, makes no difference. At the end of that time together, are they more or less ready to take the one next step in front of them? That's, that's actually the acid test, right? When the Bible talks about encouragement, it's, it's specifically saying, urge people to go in the direction they need to be going and then provide aid and comfort to them along the way. That's, that's what it's saying. And the interesting thing, and, and something actually, Matt, that you put in this month's, coming month's Bridgebox Bible study that's really, really sharp and, and really important here is encouragement is entirely about this other person. It's not about you as the encourager at all. And yeah. I think that's the thing that, that we get so wrong so much of the time is we want to say something profound, yeah. We want to say something deep and impressive, and people very rarely need that. That's part of the brilliance of what Lee's talking to with his buddy is, um, in a sense, it's not profound to say, I don't know what that feels like, but it's got to be really tough. Why don't you tell me more? That's, that's not profound or impressive, which is why it's amazing, because it's a really humble thing to say. And critically, it's what that other person needs. It's the thing that enables them to go another round, to take another step. And I think the, the thing of it, and again, you've already heard some, some great stuff on this, but people, they need to be heard. Um, they need to be comforted. Um, they need to be understood. But encouragement is very much a thing that needs to be customized to every specific situation that we're in. Because the, the struggles that this person is facing are unique. The, the, the circumstances they're dealing with are unique. But again, the acid test is the same every time, which is, are they more or less equipped at the end of this? Are they more or less ready at the end of this to take that next step? The funny thing is, there's a moment where Jesus, um, it's one of his harshest rebukes of the religious teachers of his day. And he, he talks about, you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, but you won't lift a finger to help them. Here's what's interesting about that is he doesn't say 
you're you're making stuff up that doesn't really apply and then expecting them to do that. He doesn't exactly say that. And he doesn't say um, these are just, you know, made up things that you've invented and you want everybody to be on that. He doesn't exactly say that. What he says is you're making these people's lives so much harder. Mm-hmm. You're taking all this religiosity and rather than, than helping people, you're enslaving them with it. The thing is, almost anything in life can be used to good or to ill. Um, almost anything in life can be used to help or it can be used to harm. When someone's going through a hard time and they want to talk to you about it, at the end of that conversation, um, they can be pointed in a worse direction. They can be pointed in a better direction. Um, if you've got the heart and you're willing to give it a little bit of practice, you can definitely get to a point where you consistently have people pointed in a better direction at the at the end of that conversation. But this is the key thing, and, and this might be kind of a good thing to close with, is that that's not about solving every problem they have. And that's not about giving them the breakthrough insight that changes this whole thing and blows it wide open. That's helping them get to the place where they're ready to take the next step. That's it. They will need more encouragement again soon. So will you, actually, and so will I, because we all do. No one receives such epic encouragement that they're just good forever. (laughs) We all need infusions of good enough encouragement right now, and then again and again and again as we get farther and farther down that road. I think that's a really, really good point, because we're kind of playing... Uh, encouragement and offering things like insight and wisdom and advice against each other here, not because they're necessarily opposite sides of the coin, because they're different things. Um, When you're offering someone advice or insight, you know, the goal in a perfect world, as Jed's pointing out here, you would would only need to do that once, if that's really the case, but you know, it's kind of what you're going for, is you have a, you know, how do do I get to this place? I tell you, you know, you turn left here, you turn right there, you go two blocks, boom. I've given you, you know, the directions you you can do that now. We may have some snags along the way and we'll figure that out. But encouragement is not meant to do that. So if you take go into an attitude of encouragement with trying to kind of really put that foot into it to kind of take it to the next level because you only want to have to do this once, that's just not really gonna work. Um and it is we, we do have to think of encouragement as its own thing. It's not you know, I don't know what to say to fix this person's problem, and that's a failing. So I'll just kind of tell them, like, hey, keep your chin up. That's not what encouragement is. It's its own thing. It's you know, it's listed. Paul Paul lists it right alongside the other spiritual gifts. If you're gifted to encourage, then encourage. It's you know, it's in there. It's a real thing. Two two kind of floating ideas I would give you here as we close out is we're we're kicking this idea around. We're talking about it for the bridge, and one of the things we identified is what are the barriers someone might have to offering encouragement? And the the two big ones we came up with are just this weird idea that other people probably don't want or need this as much as I do. Like everyone, you ask anyone, do you need encouragement? I say, Oh yeah. And I, I, and I've never met the person who says, looks around their life and says, you know, the one thing I've got definitely enough of is people <laughs> encouraging me. I'm good on that. I need to move into more people offering opinions on what I should do and how I should do it but I'm all good on people just encouraging me on what I'm doing. Um, we're, we're all kind of this kind of yawning chasm of need when it comes to positivity and encouragement. And that's cool. But for some reason we look at other people and think, ah, you know, I, I sure I could grab and say, like, Oh, well, I'm going to say something dumb. Like, Oh, I think your shirt is cool. And that's going to like make them feel better about themselves. Has I ever told you your shirt is cool? You feel better about yourself. Yep. That's how that works. Like it doesn't have to be a big deal. And the other one, and this is kind of one that I think it really is a holdback for people. And if one of those things that if you, speaking from experience in my life, if you can push through this and get on the other side of this, 
there's some really, really cool stuff on the other side, which is why would anyone care what I think? Um, you know what? I, I'm going to tell this guy he has a cool shirt. I, what my church is like kind of blue. I don't have a cool shirt. I always care about he's people are not, people don't interview your, for, you for your credentials. When you tell them you think something is good that they are doing, they, that idea of, you know, they're probably cool and why they're probably good. And why would anyone care what I think? Here, just, let me put this out there to you. Try this little experiment. This is going to feel weird, but I guarantee you, you'll get positive results. Start telling people you're proud of them for things. It will freak you out how much people dig that. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't care what age you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what, uh, you know, level of education or professional you are. Somebody's some, 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 like, oh, that was really cool. I'm really proud of you for doing that. People lose their minds with happiness because right. that's a good feeling. Yeah. And you can encourage someone in that. So this idea of I need to get my ducks in a row for this encouragement to mean something. That's not, nope. that's, that's really not the way that works. So, it, and that's kind of the cool thing about encouragement is, it's just, you can just throw it out there willy nilly. It yeah. doesn't have to be particularly eloquent. It doesn't have to be particularly on the nose. You can just you think of it as, you know, you're painting a wall. You can just glom it on there and it's going to do some good, which is actually, once you get around to it, it's a really freeing thing and a really fun thing that we would want for you in your life. All right, move on to our next question here. It comes in and it says, what does the Bible mean when it says to live a quiet and humble life? I mean, we're also supposed to make an impact in the world, right? And Jed, where do we start off with this? Well, let's start. I like to start with the Bible. Okay. Oh. That's where I like to begin. So Christian. I prefer to start with Zoroastrian text and build up from there. (laughs) Well done. All right. So with that out of the way, we we will look at the Bible because this question is referencing a verse. Uh, this is First Thessalonians chapter four, verses ten to twelve. I'm reading from the Living Bible, uh, where it says, "This should be your ambition to live a quiet life, minding your own business and doing your own work. As a result, people who are not Christians will trust and respect you, and you will not need to depend on others for enough money to pay your bills." That's pretty cool. That's pretty great. So. Um, you, you wrote, what does the Bible mean when it says to live a quiet life and a humble life? It, it means that that's a really good life. It's good for you. It's good for the world. It's good for the people around you. Um, so uh, that's that's what it means. But let's go deeper. You say we're, we're supposed to make an impact in the world, right? And that's a, a great question. And I would offer two things for you to look at. The first is part of why it, it says what it says is because a good life is built, I think we live in an age where people expect to stumble onto a good life, and that's not how a good life works. That's certainly not how a Christian life works. Um, something that our staff member Pete Lawson pointed out when we were looking at this recently is super right, is another translation of the Bible says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. In other words, I'm setting a goal that I'm working towards. I'm, I am setting my direction towards a quiet and humble life, and then I'm working to build that. That won't happen accidentally. I'm, I'm not going to wake up one day and say, well, I've got a humble life. Look at me. Which At which point you don't have a humble life anymore because you just demanded the people look at you. But a good life, a life worth having is built. And again, the, the point of this text is that's the life worth having. A quiet and humble life is a good life. That's that's what we want. But I love you brought about this idea about making an impact in the world. And I think that's so keen because I think it points to a misunderstanding that is really super common in life in the 21st century generally and especially life online. 
And I think that is we associate drama, which is really the opposite of humility, uh, right? A, right. A, a humble person is not dramatic and a dramatic person is not humble. So we associate drama with having an impact. I think we have that association in our heads. And this is the thing. That's not how change works. Yeah. If, if you want to make an impact, what you mean is you want to make the world a different place. In some way, you want to create change in the world. And good on you. I think that's fantastic. I think you should want that. I think that's a Christian thing to want. We really want to bring the Lord into that and let him advise what kind of change and in what ways. But generally speaking, yes, I think it's great. Drama will not get you there. Drama will not get you to a place of impacting this world and creating positive change. It does not have that power. It is, in every sense, empty calories when it comes to making an impact. It will have you tired and exhausted and angry and upset and unhappy and ready to quit without having accomplished anything, because that's what drama does. The interesting thing about humility and being a humble person who lives a humble life is that's who actually makes an impact, right? We are blessed and privileged to know a certain number of people who have truly impacted this world, have had a, a noteworthy, like the world is different because they were in it. And the thing that ties these folks together in, in kind of a wide variety of areas is they were willing to very humbly do the same thing in a very persistent way day in and day out for decades. Yeah, That's the thing that ties them all together. That's what a humble person does. A dramatic person can't fathom doing the same thing day in and day out for decades. <laughs> Where's the drama? I'm dying here. But I think part of why the Lord says, lead that quiet life, lead that humble life, is because that is how we have that impact. And here's the key thing is, quietness and humility, not only do they enable us to have the impact, they enable us to see the impact. Not only does drama keep us from having an impact, it also keeps us from seeing the subtle things that are the first fruits of impact. You don't wake up one day and discover that you have an impact. You notice little changes in the thing that you're working on, and then little growth. It's part of why Jesus used so many farming analogies, is a farmer doesn't wake up one day and say, oh my gosh, crops! It's the ground is barren, and then there are these tiny barely perceptible little signs of life that are just barely beginning to break through the soil and you really have to know what you're looking for in order to even recognize that they're there and then know how to care for them so that they continue to grow and don't die. That requires the view of a humble person. It requires the view of a person who knows how to see what's really going on. And we believe that that's you. We believe that just like the Bible says, you can make it your ambition to be that kind of person that lives a quiet, humble life that's good for you, that's good for those around you, and that makes the world a better place. That's exactly right. Leah, let you to jump in here because I think Judge really started us on a really interesting path about how that humility and that impact, far different from being opposite to each other, are really on the same exact same direction. Can you build on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. I I love the place that 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 Jed is taking this and and that has played out in my life in the sense that all of the things that I thought were going to be my impact on the world, I, I thought they were gonna be things that had to do with me, with my name on them. Quite literally, I thought it was gonna be, you know, music, uh, you know, writing music and that was gonna be that was gonna be a big deal and it was really gonna, you know, move people and that was gonna get a whole lot of ministry done or whatever. That was going to be my impact on the world. 
the funny thing is that um, after 20 years of showing up at the same high school and doing outreach to, um, you know, young people, students, that kind of stuff, you know, having a, you know, pouring my heart into my marriage, pouring my life and my energy into my marriage and being a parent and that kind of stuff. It turns out that those are the places where I've had an impact. Um, the Pouring my life into things where I am not the point of the story, where somebody else is, uh, whether that's uh, learning how to serve and and be a good friend to my wife, learning how to serve and be a good dad to my kids, learning how to serve my community and and reach out to people who need to hear about Jesus, who need, you know, some help and, you know, changing their life and making their life better. Those are the places where my reputation has become, you know, solidified as a person who has an impact and who is making a difference in their town and in their world or whatever. It is the opposite of what we would assume. We we live in a in a in a time in a world where people get famous for being famous. It's a very strange phenomenon and everybody's really really into that. What is the now thing and who is the now person and all that kind of stuff. And so it doesn't make sense to us that as just as Jed saying that 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 Paul would lead us to believe that humility actually makes a way to have an impact. Um but I've found that to be true in my own life. That the more you can make your life about serving somebody else where you're not the point of the story, where um where somebody else is, you know, making their situation better, making their, uh, making their story better, where that is your focus, and where you keep showing up with the consistency and that humility, exactly like Jed's talking about, that's where real difference happens. That's where that's where some real sweetness can happen. That's where some real growth can happen. Um, it's one of those deals where when you think about your own life and the people that had the most impact on it, it's probably not some famous person that lives somewhere else that has a big, noisy life. It's probably somebody who has shown up consistently. Uh, Every single one of us on this show is involved with prison ministry. And I can tell you when it comes down to prison ministry, nobody, um, and I don't know, I may be stealing some of Glenn's points here because I've heard him make these points before and I'm stealing them from him now. But um, you're not allowed to take your phone in when you do prison ministry. Uh, nobody takes pictures. Nobody's tweeting about that. That's not anything that you can post about or anything like that. But you wind up, um, when you go consistently and you start to get to know guys, I can tell you, when when we go in there with my boss, he goes in there um, every single Tuesday and sometimes uh, on Fridays as well and sometimes on Wednesday. And when you walk the yard with that brother... Everybody on the yard is coming over to the fence to say hi to this man because of his consistency. Six years, a couple of times a week, never misses a week, never misses a chance to be in there. Um, And it's that consistency in a place where you can't get famous for it. Nobody knows you're doing it, but it's about somebody else. Somebody else is the point. And there is some real impact that can happen when you decide, I'm going to make my service and put my energy into a situation where somebody else is the point. You show up like that with that kind of consistency, and you're going to change the world for sure. Excellent stuff. And Glenn, assuming you have any points left, <laughs> go ahead and close us out here. 
Well, I I agree certainly with all of these uh, things these other brothers have said, mostly because I have said them myself previously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what both of these brothers are describing very effectively is the concept of earning the right to be heard. And if you're trying to live a quiet life, you're the the idea behind that is you're earning the right to speak up at some point, and. Uh, that means you you earn it by doing what you need to do. Maybe if I could give you a, a sort of a visceral example of this, I'll, I'll leave some names out of this whole story here, but uh, we have a service that happens every Tuesday. Uh, the service, we will get vans and pick people up from residential programs. These are drug rehabs, halfway houses, work release centers, uh, people there have dealt with incarceration, addiction, prostitution, gang activity, you name it. So if you look at those uh, people that are coming, they're coming because we have gone to those facilities. We've sat down with them. We've talked with them. Uh, we've interacted with them. And we've said, we have a, an opportunity for you to come to a service. We have written songs just for you and the struggles that you're going through. We have food that have been prepared by people who love you and care for you, so you have a nice warm meal. We're going to have pastors there, men of knowledge and wisdom and love, and they're going to come and give a word about a struggle that you most likely are going through. And we're going to do everything we can to spoil you rotten and get you connected to churches all over the city so when you're finished with your rehab program, you can go and plug into any church you want, and all these would be great churches. That's what we do. That's we. So when people are coming in these vans to come to this service, they have, they're coming there because we have earned the right to speak in the service to them. The service, we, we, have, we have shown that we care first, and then they come to hear what we have to say. That's what we mean by earn the right to be heard. Now, here's the part that's the, that we're going to leave the names out of. Uh, there was a person uh, who will re- remain nameless, but he was an ordained uh, uh, minister of a Ooh, mainline denomination. Ordained. And uh, <laughs> not by God, just by people. Oh, okay. And um, uh, I thought maybe it was part of the ordinance corps. It seemed like an odd thing to get in there, but yeah, you know, whatever you're into. Well, you know. Uh, it, he decided he was going to do a revival in this neighborhood. Like he's going to get it, really. He's going he's gonna to put the word in the streets. So he got a megaphone, <laughs> an actual megaphone. This is a rough neighborhood where people don't play. Uh, and he got his megaphone out, and he's on the sidewalk, on the, on the street corner with his megaphone. Now, he happened to pick Tuesday nights, which is when we have our service, and he happened to pick right when these vans are dropping people off by the curb. To say that I was displeased is to use an extreme form of understatement. And people are getting off of the vans, plugging their ears to try and not be deafened by this screeching person. And they're trying to physically walk into church, and they're having to walk all the way out on the street 
to go. He's blocking people from coming into church and <laughs> screeching to his megaphone. If you just get the physical image, this man has not earned the right to be heard. He's not being heard. These people are are trying to get to church, and they are specifically ignoring anything he has to say to get into the building and hear what we have to say. The only difference between him and us is we've earned the right to be heard. So if you can kind of get that physical picture in your mind, I think it will help you. As such, I think we need to get away from this idea of a preaching-centric view of ministry. Mm. Uh, If you want to, you know, you're talking about living a quiet life and trying to make an impact in the world. Um, You think that's about, as we talked about in the last uh, question, that's preaching and, and talking, that's when the ministry happens. It doesn't happen while I'm earning that right to be heard and showing love and showing care and concern and helping them with their physical circumstances and all of that. Uh, when, when I say ministry, most preachers think of preaching. When I talk to lay people about ministry, they think of preaching. They think that's what ministry is. Maybe leading a Bible study, which is 80% of the same thing, depending on what church you go to. So um, we have to get away from that. I want you to think of ministry where no preaching would take place, and you're going to get a better, clearer, healthier view of what ministry really is. Uh, Final thing here, uh, because part of this question is, the Bible says to live a quiet and humble life, but there's also making an impact on the world. And, you know, sometimes there are things that are really awful that are going on where you feel like, I should speak up, I should be loud and noise, I should say something into a megaphone about this. But here's the, here's the dividing line on that. The humble life that we're talking about here is for that outreach element. And that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about this whole question. Protest uh, type of statements and protest kind of actions are about responding to oppression. These are very different scenarios. Uh, What I do to reach this neighborhood and what I do to stand up to this oppression are two different things. So one is appropriate for one, and it's it's appropriate to yell at a megaphone about this oppression that someone is dealing with. It's not appropriate to yell into a megaphone how much Jesus loves you and cares for you, (laughs) because that's just weird. Okay? And this idea of standing up for the impressed and quietly earning the right to be heard in this neighborhood both go together. Yeah, they, they, do. They, they knit together perfectly. That idea of this person is earning that right to be heard by showing that they care. And if, if you can understand that dividing line, I think you'll know when it's time to speak up. That's all Amen. excellent stuff from these guys on that topic. We're going to go to our final question here. It comes in and it says, I feel like I'm angry and frustrated all the time lately. I know this isn't the life that is good for me, but I can't seem to flip the script and get on something positive. It's like everything bothers me. What should I do? And it's a great question. And Lee, where would you kick us off? Uh, I would start by saying, I know all of the feelings that you're talking about. And that's an important thing because... Um, I think that sometimes people think, you know, uh, guys that are, you know, missionaries or pastors and stuff like that, they are on some kind of plane that I'm not on where they don't, they don't have days where everything bothers them. Um, and the thing that you would find out if you hung out with uh, us at all is we have plenty of days, lots of days where everything bothers us, everything all the time. 
um, where you feel frustrated, where you feel angry, all of the feelings. We have we understand all of these things. And one of the things that that uh, I think can hold people back from doing just what God is calling them to right now is the idea that I can't be usable by God until I have an amazing attitude. Um, this is something that 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 holds people back from exactly what you're talking about, which is where you're saying, like, how do I flip the script? I mean, the simple answer I would say to you is you need a mission. You need a mission that's about somebody else. We need to find what that would be in your town today, and we need to get moving on it. But the thing that could hold us back from that idea is I can't be useful until I shake these attitudes. Well, what if... What if flipping the script is, I'm going to go ahead and get after it. I'm going to go serve somebody. I'm going to go meet somebody's needs. And that actually is going to iron out the attitude because it's going to change the channel off of the way that I'm feeling about myself. Um, I, I'm looking at my own life. I'm looking at my own emotions. I'm, I'm dialed in on the way that I feel. And so that's the only thing, that's the only reality. But if you can change the channel, if you if you did something for somebody else right now, it would be one of those things where you get 30 minutes into it, 45 minutes into it, and you turn around and you don't even feel that stuff anymore. Those are things that every single one of us has experienced, which is God is calling me to do a thing. I have a bad attitude about it. I'm going to show up and do it anyway. It's for someone else. And before you know it, the way that I see the world has changed. Um, Jesus has a parable about a dude that had a bad attitude and he was the one that got the thing done. Uh, but we have this, we have this thing that holds us back that says, I got to figure out the frustration piece first, or I got to figure out the, uh, the annoyance piece first before I can do something positive. That's actually not necessarily true. You could just go ahead and start serving somebody right now, right now. There's somebody that you know that could benefit from you calling them up and saying, hey, let me buy you a sandwich. I want to ask you about your life. I did this recently um, with a friend, just reached out to him and said, hey, let's get together. And sometimes people can be weird about hanging out with the pastor, um, where we were like 45 minutes into this lunch where I had just asked, like, I just asked this dude, like, hey, I just want to hear your story, man. I just want you to tell me the whole thing. Just go ahead and tell me the thing. And after about 45 minutes of this, this dude was like, so what is it you want me to do? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, like, what do you want me to do at the church? And I was like, nothing. And he was like, well, I assume that's why we were hanging out. You wanted, you had some big ask at the end of this. And I was like, no, I just wanted to be with you. And it was really, he was like, oh, okay. And he kind of kept on with the story. I saw the guy like a week and a half later and his, and he came over across the room to me and he said, I just want you to know how much that meant to me. How much it meant to me that you just wanted to ask about my life. I can't remember the last time somebody just wanted to know about my life. And I was like, yeah, dude, it was really good hanging out with you. It was really cool hearing how all the pieces of the story came together and how you met your wife and, and how you know this family thing shook down and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, thanks. There's somebody in your life right now who could benefit from that exact lunch. Who would that be? 
Uh, ask the Lord to put somebody on your heart, just a squeeze on your heart, and then just go after them. You don't have to fix your attitude before you do that, but changing the channel off of you onto somebody else, I guarantee you it's going to shake down some of this attitude stuff. I know that because I know your feelings. I've felt them, and I've, and I've experienced that change. It's, it's a really great point, and Jed... I think sometimes there are going to be attitudinal solutions. There are going to be kind of borderline spiritual solutions. And that's yep. what Lee's certainly describing there. And those can make a huge difference. However, sometimes the problem is a little more um, basic. Yep. And the solutions might there or be a little more basic. What's, what's the good checklist to start off with? here? That's a great question. Well, a few things that you definitely want to look at uh, just as, you know, kind of very human, um, issues that could be going on. One is, have you been getting enough sleep lately? Uh, few things make people more irritable than simply not getting enough sleep at night. Uh, another is, uh, have you been eating regular meals? Uh, we, we live in a very busy culture and a very busy society where uh, you might, you know, how many calories you eat in a day and, get, and eating regular meals are not the same thing. So, you know, are you, are you kind of, you know, undernourished in a sense? To go right along with that, are you overworked? Uh, whether it's at, at school or at a job, you know, what kind of hours are, are you pulling and uh, do you have any downtime? Another one that goes right along with it, and I think maybe more common than ever before, is are you under-socialized? Have you had a chance to be with other human beings and not online, critically, not online, in person? Have you had a chance to be with your friends, to be with your loved ones, to be with your family? Any of those things, and certainly a combination of any of them, can take a person who maybe is a little frustrated and make it to a point where they are super frustrated and they're having a hard time dealing with the level of frustration that they have. I think humans in general, people in general, I think we're, when we feel a certain level of displeasure, we're resistant to the idea that simple things could be a part of this because we, we feel like as unhappy as I am, there has to be something big going on that is the thing. And sometimes that's totally true. Uh, but honestly, a lot of the time it can be at least in part, maybe not the whole thing, but at least in part little things, your sleep, your food, your work yeah. schedule. It's a big part of why um, uh, 12 step recovery uses that acronym HALT, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Whenever we are any of those things, we need to be careful because they can really play games with our head and, and with our decision making. And similarly, just as people in general are resistant to fairly simple solutions to things that feel really big, Christians can be even more so. Uh, we, we want to look for what's the spiritual angle on this. And there may be one there, right. there may be a, a, a deep and important spiritual reality you can also be underslept at the same time uh, and you can also be overworked at the same time. And that's making everything three times as hard to deal with. So when we find that we're in a situation where we're having this kind of chronic struggle, we're just, as you put it, we're just angry all the time. One of the things we want to do is to give ourselves permission to really come at this from all angles, to, to really do a holistic 360 degree answer to this problem so that absolutely part of it, no question, just like Lee said, is changing the channel and getting a better sense of purpose and serving somebody else. A part of it, I imagine is going to be some of the spiritual stuff Glenn's going to break down in a minute. And part of it too is going to be those basic physical realities of sleep and food and stress and downtime with yeah. our friends and our loved ones. That's absolutely right. A really interesting thing on that under socialized point is they recently did a study uh, right, I think it was the New York Times. The New York Times published it. I can't remember who did it, 
but they part of the what they're looking at is how small a social interaction can have a real effect on your mood and they found that things like just interacting with you know a cashier or literally a person on the street and just that kind of just being socialized not being physically isolated even though people actually has a really big effect so there even those little tweaks can be a really cool thing so i found very interesting and glenn i'd love for you uh and i, I don't want to seem like i'm profiling glenn here but glenn, i'd love to get you to talk about the anger aspect right? <laughs> because i think what they they describe here is really interesting because we i think we all have this there is what can feel just like this kind of free floating anger mm. that just you know i'm i'm pissed at the person i live with but i'm also pissed in traffic and i'm also pissed when i get to work and it can feel like i am just an angry person or i'm just having an angry period yeah. But I wonder if we're not going to do well to look at some for some root cause there that we can deal with. There's almost always one there, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard the phrase or sort of the idea of anger is a primitive emotion. Mm. I think that phrase is poorly understood because uh, I think what is meant by that is that it is um, that it is. Uh, uh, primary that it is the initial thing that comes to mind when you're emotionally overwhelmed as jeb was trying to point out you know you're overloaded you're overwhelmed anger has a way of sort of being a placeholder when you don't even know what to think about a situation yeah. you know anger has a way of being when i'm angry at a thing it has a way of being a placeholder for an anger about another thing that i don't have my finger on right now so anger has a way of um, uh, sort of being unspecific and uh, too generalized, and it has a way of um, not in any way, of course, helping me figure out what's going on. But if I ignore that anger, I got no real way of fixing the situation because I'm, I'm ignoring the, the whole situation that goes together with the anger. The thing about anger is it should be sort of a red flag. It should be that 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 warning light on the dash that says there's something that we need to look at. Pop the hood and let's see what's going on under there. So the anger should be that thing where we're 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 embracing that we are anger angry about stuff. We're working through it. We're not delegitimizing it. That's another mm -hmm. bad strategy to say, "Ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't be angry about that." You're angry, you're already there. Doesn't matter whether you should be or not. Let's, you know, let's not try and judge that. Let's ask what are we really, 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 really angry about here? Sometimes it is the situation on the surface of it. 90% of the time when I'm angry about whatever I'm angry about, it's really connected to this other thing. Does that mean what I, the, the, you know, in other words, this guy cuts me off in traffic. I'm screaming because of something happened earlier today. That that doesn't mean I have no right to be angry about the guy cutting me off in tra traffic. And it doesn't mean I'm not angry about the guy cutting me off in traffic. I, I am, and I have a right to be. But I, I need to recognize that there's a larger complex of things that are going wrong, and I'm angry about all of it, and that it's sort of <laughs> yeah. compounding itself and building on itself and so on and so forth. None of that's a crisis. None of that's unusual. None of it is an indication of a lack of character on your part. The, the anger is probably a pretty legit response to a lot of things going wrong in your life. 
but it's about working through it. It's about, again, it, anger should be that indicator, the, the light on the dash that says, this needs further analysis. If you don't do the analysis, we're gonna have the, the anger itself won't g give you the analysis. You have to pop that that hood and look at what's going on underneath. Uh, final point about this, uh, theologically speaking, is whenever I'm angry, one of the questions I try to get to the Lord and ask about as early on as I can, and sometimes being angry keeps you from being able to really stop and listen to the lord but if i can if i can manage that one of the first questions i want to ask god is are you angry about this mm. because if god tells me he's angry about it i i cannot tell you how easy it is for me to let go of that thing because if i know he's being angry about it i don't i don't need to worry about being he's he's got that under control and i can i can let that go uh, there are times. There are many, many times. The Lord says, "Yes, I am angry about this. This does not please me. This situation." Now He might break that down for me in a way that's showing a lot more complexity in that situation than what I'm looking at, and that also makes it easier for me to let it go because I see how it all works better. And you know, it's you, you, uh, anger is really good when it's when it, there's a villain and he's just wrong. It's <laughs> anger doesn't work as well when it's sort of a situation and a system and an ongoing reality with many moving parts. That's it's hard to get really, you know, uh, it, it's hard to get a good anger going because you got too much understanding mixed in there with it. That ruins a good anger. But I think it's important for us to look at uh, is God angry about this? There are times the Lord comes to me and says, I'm not angry about this. I, this is you have a wrong viewpoint about the situation. You are not seeing what's really going on here. But it but that's as comforting to me as as anything else the Lord might say. In other words, it's I don't know if you can dig it, but I want to be right. Everybody wants to be right, but when you're angry, you're kind of miserable and you also are angry 90% of the time over things you can't control, right? That's a big thing of what drives anger is a lack of control. But here's the thing, if somebody tells you you're wrong about the situation, it'll occur to you pretty quick, you can control you, so that's going to diminish that anger as well. So the, the, the process of going to the learned prayer and saying, are you angry about this? Is this something that you want me to be angry about? Do, you, do I have the right to be angry about it? Whatever comes downstream from that, is going to give you a lot of healing, and that's what we want for you on the podcast. It really, really is. These guys have all given you some very, very good wisdom on a thing that is a little bit complicated. So it is one of those deals of this is a thing that takes work, it is a thing that takes reps, it is a thing that takes doing it all the way wrong and then doing it 20% right, and that, that really does help. And the good thing about all this stuff, they've given you this kind of self-analysis, these, these tips and tricks, is they're all going to make you feel be a little bit better and the, even the first time you try them, even if you don't apply them perfectly and a little bit better, it's a lot better than just going around stewing in your own anger. So that's a great stepping stone on the way there. All right. If you have a question for us, say at podcast.gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click on those links right there. You have a song this week. This is from our sister program, The Bridge Loud. Yeah. This is a version of the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Really cool version of it featuring our friend and rock 
legend Glenn Kaiser with mm. a little bit of Gaelic thrown in there Ooh, in the verses by strong. our friend from Scotland, Callum Martin. Very cool track. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. We're like that men's deodorant jingle you just can't get out of your head.